Welcome to the Go All In podcast. I'm your host, Robert Bruss, and I'm proud to be bringing you these stories of commitment and success from everyday heroes right here in Sydney, Australia. Today on the show, our guest is Tracy Gillies from tracygillies.com. Now, I don't know about you, but sometimes I impose unrealistic expectations on myself. I don't do it as much as I used to, and the reality is almost everything that I thought or think that I should be doing is either self-imposed or it's some sort of unconscious bias that I have. Sometimes it's a long-held belief that I just didn't realize that I had until I realized I shouldn't be behaving like that. The reality is that things only have the meaning that we give to them. And Tracy says that we should be kinder to ourselves and give ourselves a bit more of a break. And I think she is dead right on that because I'm certainly my harshest critic and I should take a, a leaf out of her book and just kind of take it a bit easier on myself. As you'll hear, Tracy's an expert in helping people to transform their health by healing their body's glands and organs. She'll help you to have boundless energy to be calm and manage the daily demands of life without stress, anxiety, or guilt. Now, that's definitely something I can do more of. I don't know about you, but I think we could all do with more of that, especially the the energy side of it. I like the sound of that a lot. As you'll also hear, Tracy has quite a go-all-in story herself, and she articulates her message in an easy-to-understand and really a relatable way. She's got a very heartfelt story for us today. So listen in closely. If you want to feel empowered and you're ready to make a positive change across all aspects of your life with ease and grace, I'm excited she's here, so please help me in welcoming Tracy Gillies. Tracy Gillies, welcome to the Go-All-In podcast. It's great to have you here. Thanks for having me. No worries. Well, before we kick this off and find out what your thoughts are about the go all in mindset and doing whatever it takes to succeed and break through, let's get to know you a little bit. I like to do this with all of my guests on the front end of the show. Tell us a little bit about you. Where are you from? Uh, Originally from New Zealand, but we've been out in New Zealand for 10 years, although you wouldn't know it by my accent. And I have three young kids, so 11, 8 and 6. And just mum as well as now coach and healer. Very nice, very nice. And whereabouts in Australia do you live now? Oh, we live in the Gap in Brisbane. Yeah, it's Beautiful very lovely. Yeah, very nice, very nice part of the world. And what's your background? Do you have a corporate background? Do you, do you have a, a degree that you, you studied hard for and never used? I actually trained as a chef and didn't love it and didn't do that. And then I worked for Vodafone in management and training and lots of things for about over 10 years. And then I didn't really enjoy anything that I had done. And I've always been interested in natural therapies. So I kind of just changed whole life path after having children. It's really interesting. Just in like 20 seconds of your life explanation, there was three careers in there. And that's Pretty, pretty normal, really, to start in a trade and then go into the corporate world. My partner, Sue, she's a chef by trade as well, but she did it for, I think she did it for about 15 years. It was quite a long time. She worked in New Zealand for a long time as well in Auckland and at the, the restaurant there right on the water called Sales. Oh, okay. So one of the fanciest restaurants in New Zealand she worked wow. around there. It was kind of a nice place. And I think that was the last place that she actually worked as a chef. She came back to Australia during the Sydney Olympics and got out of it completely from there. So when, when did all this coaching stuff start for you, Tracy? Was that when you did the, the natural therapy courses and you found yourself in that third, third type career? Yeah, I had sort of had a lot of health issues and in my own healing, I then went through a healing journey and, and healing myself. Then I wanted to help other people do the same. 
Was it a, a long journey to get up to that point to understand that that's actually what you wanted to do? Or is that something that's always been there for you? No, it wasn't there for me. I kind of just felt lost and didn't know what I wanted to do. And through that process, then I realized that, yes, I'm really passionate and absolutely love it. And this is exactly what I'm meant to be doing. Well, that's uh, it's really nice to hear that because I do know that there's a lot of people that listen to this show. In fact, thousands of people that listen to this show. And every now and then I get some feedback of, hey, Rob, I love your show. Thanks for putting it out, man. It's, that's awesome. And I love the idea of going all in. I love these stories. I love that. But I don't, I've got nothing to go all in on. And I'm like scratching my head reading these emails going, it's okay. It, it'll come. You know, you don't, don't force yeah. something like that. And before you know it, you, it can be serendipitous. You find yourself in a place where, oh. you know, it's an accidental mistake that works out for, for the better. Definitely. Yeah, definitely. Excellent. All right. Well, let's, let's get into this because we're kind of teetering around the edges of your story. And this is a, a good one. People come on over to the Go All In podcast, Tracy, to learn more about others that have gone all in. So if you could, could you please share with us your biggest Go All In story or stories and the lessons that you've learned from your commitment to success? It kind of is a little bit of a long story to get to the point. So I hope that's okay. Take me the long way around. It's what a podcast is okay, for. Okay. Okay. After having children, I wasn't in a good place. So the busy demands of being mum, all these other things, I hadn't really looked after myself very well before children. And then I guess the compiling factor of, you know, sleep deprivation and all these things, I found myself in a really dark place, very unhappy place. Even physically, I wasn't in a very good place. I actually, after my daughter was born, she had colic and she used to scream five to six hours a night. It was really hard. And after the first year, I went to the doctor and sort of said that I was really struggling and they said I had postnatal depression, but they ran a whole lot of tests and they actually said that I had had glandular fever, so Epstein-Barr within that year period. Um, I had also had something called toxoplasma food poisoning, which is a three-month food poisoning. Yep. And so I just sort of thought, oh my goodness, anyone would not be in a good place, right? It's, so I just carried on. And then I had my next two children quite close together and they were all, you know, didn't sleep very well. So the stress just piled up on me. And when my last baby, so number three, was about six months old, I actually had like a, a breakdown. It was got to that point of being so bad. And um, I actually rang my mum and I remember crying and saying, I, I can't do it anymore. I don't even really want to be here doing it. And she pleaded with me to go to the doctor. And so I went to the doctor and they said that I was like clinically, I don't know, depressed, anxiety, you, you name it, everything, yes. And they wanted me to take medication. And for me, I realized that that does have its place for some people. But for me, I just felt so strongly that I just felt like when your life is hard, you can't just take a pill to make it better, yes. And it was just a Band-Aid fix and I had to really start you know, trying to fix it and heal myself. And I was always so interested in natural therapies. So I started looking and I actually started traditional Chinese medicine. So that was my first point of call. And he, like, they have a holistic approach. They look at your whole life and, and look at your body and what's going on. And he was just like, yeah, you know, you're in adrenal burnout, adrenal fatigue. You've got so much stress. So I had three young kids. My husband, Greg, he worked away in Singapore. He was away all the time. We had no family support. So of course I was feeling that way, yes. Mm. And then in the end, um, I went down the path of taking herbs and I felt a little bit better, but not really. And then Greg actually got a transfer to go to Singapore. 
So we actually moved to Singapore and I was like, this is going to save me. And I kept saying, if I just didn't have the boring mummy jobs, I'd be okay. Mm. And we moved there and it was meant to be a long-term thing, but it ended after about two years. But anyway, we had a helper. Oh my goodness. I didn't have to do anything. (laughs) But I was really bad to myself. I thought I was going to be this amazing person. And I wasn't. I was actually worse. And I kind of self-sabotaged through alcohol. I had this life that looked amazing. And I was so unhappy, which makes you feel worse going, what's wrong with me? So you just try and cover it some more. And then the main story kind of starts with um, when we came back to Australia. So all the demands again just piled on top. And I realized where I was at. And I actually rang a kinesiologist and my idea of what kinesiology was, I thought I just wanted them to test some supplements for me. My idea of uh, what to do was to double down, do more exercise, go harder, put more demands on myself, be better. Yeah. Makes sense. (laughs) Well, a lot of people do that and it's such, it's just not even the right approach. So I went to this kinesiologist, but she actually wasn't, there's a big difference between some of the kinesiologists and she did a whole lot of other energy clearing techniques. So within three months, I had the most profound shift. I felt like a different person and my life had started to really transform. Well, what did you, did you have like a, there must've been some go all in moments there when you started to make progress when it, cause you, you kind of, you know, if it's a curve, you come right to the bottom and you know, you're at rock bottom, you do anything to try and solve it. And then you do something and you sort of get a, a little result. Now I'm kind of, I'm off the bottom yeah. and I've, I'm, my trajectory is now pointing up, not pointing down. Did you double down there as well? And did you go all in there or did you just um, kind of go with it? In saying double down and did I go all, in, go all in? Yeah, I did go all in, but I kind of had a new approach. I realized how broken I was and how in order to heal myself, I needed time and mm. I needed to be gentle on myself and give myself more rest. So this, the therapy that I went down was really beautiful because it really taps into our innate intelligence and our body wisdom it it sort of amplifies and actually works in unison with your body's own healing abilities so you know I I just I remember crying to Greg and saying how did I get to this place again I'm so broken and this time I really have to fix it and actually find a solution ongoing that is gonna you know help me with my mental physical and emotional health So in going all in, it was actually taking a step back. So my kind of new motto now is sometimes doing less is more. Mm. Yeah, Yeah. you know, I've had a couple of uh, podcasts with a few different guests that one of them was don't let going, the title of it was don't let going all in be the death of you. Yeah. Because, you know, there's a scale of what you should do in your life. And most of the time we're in the middle of the scale. And when you make a decision to commit to something, you're ending up down the the far right-hand side of the scale. You know, you're going all in and I'm going for it. But really, it doesn't really matter too much because that's a decision in your mind that only happens for a short period of time and then you come back to the center. But some people take it to the extreme and they just keep going and they keep going and they keep going. Before we move on from, from this part of your story, I just want to rewind if I could a little bit because I'm a, I'm a dad to a, three kids as well. My kids are a little bit older than yours. My son, Cam, he's 18. Travis is about to turn 17. And my daughter, Danielle, she's 13. So for the regular listeners of the show, they, they do know that I talk about my kids from, from time to time. And all of us parents and even the, the non-parents, I'm sure, can kind of relate to your story of sleep deprivation. They understand that newborn babies cry and 
it's hard work and the colicky baby is hard, but the pain that you feel from sleep deprivation is not something that you can empathize with. It is absolutely torturous, right? Yeah. Yeah. And um, it takes years to recover. Like that yeah. sleep deprivation, you've almost got to pay it back. And it's such a process to regain that energy again. And, and just the amount of damage and other things it does in your body that when you're not getting the sleep to regenerate. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, definitely. For the, re- for the regular listeners out there, they all, they all know, and, and you probably know as well, Tracy, I'm an ex-military guy. And you know I was in the military way back when in 2001 when 9-11 happened and all of that sort of stuff. And I was out in 2002, but you, you probably remember all of the really bad scenes of the Abu Ghraib jail and all of those American prison guards abusing the prisoners and whatnot. And it spiked this conversation online and throughout the world about torture and about rendition. And it's been proven time and time again, in fact, that the most effective form of torture throughout a rendition, so when they catch a bad guy and they backload him and they're going to interrogate them, is they stick him in a room, just in a, a, a normal room with white fluorescent lights, and they turn the music up all the way up. And right. they deprive them of sleep. And if the person falls asleep, they come in and, hey, wake up. And they sleep deprivation, in fact, is the most, the number one most effective form of torture on the planet. It's not pulling out your fingernails and it's not waterboarding somebody. I reckon I could be waterboarded all day. It wouldn't even hurt because I'm good, good at swimming. And I'm not scared of the water, right? You know, and I've, I, I could choke a little bit and drown a little bit. It's not a big deal to me. But sleep deprivation, there's no way I can handle that. And I've, I've had some, some pretty serious experiences with that myself in the military on operations where been awake literally for, for 40, 49, 50 hours straight at a time on operations. And when it all comes to an end and you kind of stop, you, you collapse. And the hangover that you get from that is magnified by a factor of about a thousand. And for new mums, they are effectively being renditioned and backloaded and tortured because you go from a place where you're sleeping relatively normally through the late part of a pregnancy, have a baby, and then you end up in this bloody CIA rendition room where you're only sleeping two hours a day and you're not eating properly and then you're breastfeeding and then your husband's a pain in the ass and the whole world starts to close in on you. Was it a long time, were you six months in with your newborn baby when that happened to you, when you started to recognize it, or was it a bit longer? You know what? I knew from the start, we didn't have any family support, so it was so hard. And the fact that she had issues, colic. So I didn't actually know at the time, and I know this now, that you actually, so your health before you have a baby, you actually pass all your gut flora to your baby. Mm. And I would have been in really bad health. So that would have been the main reason for, you know, colic is just they're crying and what's wrong. It's kind of a label for we don't really know. They're really unhappy, unsettled. Mm. But it would have been the main cause. So if I had known this, I would have made sure that I had really looked after myself and was in good health because I guess no one tells you that how taxing it is, even pregnancy, but even Mm. then having a child and just the lack of support. Like, I don't know, there's so many expectations now and demands and we – Uh, everything's so fast paced and the life that we're in now and we're all sort of raising families and yet we're just you know the old saying it used to take a tribe to raise your child and and we're sort of all now just doing it on our own and I think we're people are women are struggling Mm. really struggling Mm. do you see that in your work a lot do you see a lot of women in that particular circumstance that must not be uncommon 
Well, it's not. But the long-term effects that that sleep deprivation and being in survival stress, actually then you can actually lose that ability for your body to be able to self-heal. Mm. And it can actually cause all these other problems. So you've got your adrenals not functioning. And then if your adrenals don't function, that can affect your thyroid. And everything is connected. And, and so everything affects one another. But you need to kind of look at the person as a whole. And when it comes to healing, you've got to address everything. You can't just look at one thing, you know. Mm. But yeah, it causes a lot of issues in the body, emotionally, all these things going on. Recently, um, I had an interesting experience with sleep. If you could have an experience with sleep, I'm one of those people. I'm a bit of a night owl, but I'm also an early bird as well. I love to get up early and, and exercise and train and just get ahead of the day type thing because my body clock just wakes me up early. But I also like to stay up late. And when, when it's late, the phone stops ringing. There's no customers bothering me, so to speak. Not that they're a bother, but they're not calling me, taking my time. And I can get my admin squared away. And usually by nine or 10 o'clock at night, I'm kind of good. And then I want to relax a little bit. You know, I want to watch something on YouTube or watch something on Netflix and I'm kind of cool and, or read a book even, you know, I do that quite a bit as well. And I would stay up till like 12:30, one o'clock and then get up at five o'clock and be like, come on, bring it. Let's go. You know, I can do this. And I realized that kind of, man, I'm starting to feel like a bit old, you know, it's got nothing to do with being old. It's just got to do with not sleeping properly. And yep. I was on a podcast with a guy recently and I, and I asked him the question. I'm going to ask you this later on as well. What skill is it that you haven't mastered? And he said, sleep. I haven't learned sleep properly. And he, one of his mentors was a sleep doctor. And he said, wow. you know, you need to go to bed at the same time every night and get up at the same time every day. And you need to be a master of your time. Otherwise, time will master you. And I sort of, I was like, eh. I just paid lip service to all of it. I didn't listen to it. And then I was feeling really crappy. And I said, all right, I'm going to go to bed early tonight. Went to bed at 10 o'clock, woke up at five o'clock, felt like a million bucks and I felt great all day. And I thought, tonight I'm going to go to bed at 10 to 10 and see what happens. Went to bed at 10 to 10, bang, bounce out of bed at 10 to five. Exactly seven hours is what I need. It's my sleep number. And after a period of about a week, oh my gosh, I feel like I'm 20 years old. And it's got nothing to do with diet or exercise or activity or what I'm doing. It's all got to do with the only thing it can be tied back to is going to bed at the same time and waking up at the same time because my daily routines, they change, you know, like all routines change. Yeah. And my gosh, what a great thing to be doing. So anybody that's out there that has a funny pattern that's out there and you're hearing me talk about going to bed at the same time, you're like, oh my God, shut up, Rob. You know, that's the most boring thing in the world on a podcast. Try it. <laughs> Try it. And, and see, because it's, it's true. Oh, it is true. I love sleep and I will go to, and you know, when I'm not feeling well, I will go to bed really early as soon as I get the kids to bed. This is my go-to thing. In fact, that's one of, I've got like three things I always say to the kids, have a glass of water, sleep fixes everything and eat a banana. I don't know why it's eat a banana. They get mad with me about the banana, but. <laughs> Some <laughs> random thing that mum says, I don't know. eat a banana, go to bed and shut up, will you? Yeah. <laughs> Love it. I love it. All right. Let's, let's move on from that bit. That's a hell of a story that you, you shared with us there. And I'm sure that there's a lot of people listening to this that have had similar experiences to it, but you, you, you're lucky enough to have come out on the other side and you sort of found a solution that worked for you, right? Can I just share the little end of it? Cause that's yeah, the solution. Yeah? yeah. So after I saw this uh, lady and I, in three months I was feeling so much better. She actually said to me, now it's time you need to do something for yourself because I had been mum and you almost lose yourself, you give so much away. And I said, I want to do what you're doing. And so I was really lucky that where she had studied, 
So it was holistic advanced kinesiology and it was 15 minutes from where I lived. Oh. And the head trainer has actually written a lot of the content himself. And it would be one of the best courses in Australia, if not the world, because Australia and New Zealand is really advanced in that area. Mm-hmm. And so I did that and I just, I found out all about the mind-body connection, um, how everything's energy and just ways of that your body has the most amazing ability to self-heal given the right support. And then through that course, I then went on to do a whole lot of other things. So I've done so many other things now that has just led me down that path. I've, I've you know, done so much clearing and healing on myself that now I can offer that to other people. So very nice, very nice. For the, for the people listening that don't know what kinesiology is, can you maybe give a definition for that for us? Okay. It uses muscles to tap into your innate intelligence. And your innate intelligence is the intelligence that's wired into us that governs every single act. So every single organ and gland, every single cell or t- tissue formation. And it actually is like this higher wisdom and it knows exactly what your body needs to be in an optimal emotional, mental, and physical health. So it's almost tapping into that, that higher, the higher aspects of yourself and actually being able to find what the underlying cause is. So through stress, we can actually lose our ability to even be able to access our, it's our parasympathetic nervous system, but the ability to even self-heal. So it just taps into that, and it's just such a beautiful therapy. It really it just complements you, and it works with you with your own giving back that ability to self-heal. So, so when you're treating somebody with it, are you treating them with physical activity? How, how do you treat somebody with kinesiology? Um, so I do lots of other things other than kinesiology, and I actually work with my uh, clients all through energetic surrogacy. So this is a whole other thing again. But if I was to work just in a kinesiology framework, usually they would, you would lie on a table. Mm-hmm. You then get a response, like you muscle monitor. So you get a response from the muscle because the muscle is actually connected to nerves, the nerves to the central nervous system. And so you actually get a subconscious response. And there's all these formats. So I don't know if you were to go like that, that means organ. And here is your heart point. This is the lungs. By kind of touching different parts in the body, it's like you're going into that information. And then you can access other things like maybe how it's actually functioning, if there's anything. You can even look at like neural networks down to a cellular level or a DNA level. There's honestly, it's just amazing, the therapy and what you can access and being kinesiology, you can actually, it's like a framework that I use. So I've actually done, I'm a soul realignment practitioner. I've also done a whole lot of negative energy clearing techniques and different energy clearing techniques. So I put all of these things together and I've almost created my own program and my own healing program. Mm-hmm. Before I go there with that, because I do want to, I, I want to learn some more about that. How long is a kinesiology course? Does it take you a year, two years um, to learn something like that? <laughs> So it was a two-year part-time course, and I was like, yeah, I can do this, easy as, I'll fit it in, and it was so intense. And then as you move through it, the trainer actually said, it actually used to be three years full-time. Oh, gosh. And then he put it, and he condensed it and condensed it. So he's done it that way so that people, you know, a lot of people, like you said before, that there's often lots of different life paths someone's had. You might want to do something different, but you're kind of stuck in your job that you hate. Mm. How are you going to even start to learn something new? So it's designed that you can do it alongside, but honestly, it was an amazing course, but really intense. So two years part-time, but it was like a full-time, and even then, it was a lot. And it's not just learning. The learning was actually easy. It's like, if I want to heal someone, I have to have gone through and healed myself. 
So honestly, it was so amazing, but it was like opening Pandora's box. <laughs> quite at times really, you know, confronting and I had to really, so if you were to kind of use this therapy, you wouldn't have to go as deep as what I did. But if I want to heal someone, I have to have healed all of myself to be able to do it. So it's not like you just went on some uni course and sat in the in the lecture room and took notes and went home, studied and did an exam. You actually went on a on a journey of personal discovery at the same time. Yeah, because every time you learned a technique, you would have to get on the table and go through this technique. Mm. And it can actually, everything's interlinked. So, you know, something physical, there might be an emotional element to it and all these things. And, there, you know, we kind of think everything is not connected, but it is. So, you know... Yeah, it was amazing. And um, it, it seems like a, like as I hear you talk about it, it seems like a natural progression that you want to expand your knowledge outside the sphere of kinesiology. And you mentioned that you've done some mm-hmm. other things. What was, the, what was the first thing that you kind of discovered about it that you, you saw something else? You were like, oh, wow, I love that too. I'm going to bring that in. Or was it just constantly doing oh, that? So oh. there's even now, I could do any course. I could do all these other kind of different therapies and just put it into the one framework. But, um, just amazing like I actually know a lot and sometimes I get carried away and I'm talking and you know it goes over some people's head but I'm like what I know now it's honestly just like the start of it there is so much and there's so many amazing books and all this information out there that it's kind of not just it's not just hearsay anymore or kind of I don't know what am I trying voodoo stuff it's like really you know there's so many great people that have healed their life through maybe even their mind or tapping into that self of, uh, sorry, the level of your higher self and, and, you know, meditation, all these things kind of actually all come back to the one kind of principle. And it's just amazing. There's so many things you can learn. Now, now that you've arrived where you are in your life and you look back at what you went through with your postnatal depression and you were, you were unwell and then you had, and then you had a breakdown as well. Can you see how that had happened? How those layers of things build on top of each other to kind of tear you down? Can, can you see that for yourself or is that still a little bit fuzzy for you? I can. And I think, I was actually thinking today about this, about how, you know, we will look at our physical health, right? And mental health is becoming a massive epidemic at the moment. People are really struggling with the amount of stress. In fact, on the radio, it was even saying this week was national something stress on Friday. I don't know what it was called. But 97% of Australians are actually identifying with they need to find better ways in their stress to manage their stress. So let's say you broke your foot. Yes, you would stop doing exercise. You'd give it time to rest. I feel like we've kind of our minds and the amount going on, everybody has having these mental health issues and yet we're not really willing to go, okay, I need to give my mind a rest. I need to look at ways to manage my stress and better practices because it's leading you down the path of even your thoughts and all these things and our emotions create physical change in our body. And so then it's affecting how we're functioning all these different things. And I think we need to be more responsible for what we're actually creating for ourselves and actually look at, like I had to have this talk with my 11 year old daughter who had a sore knee, but it was because she had too much cortisol because she was stressing and cortisol will affect your ligaments. And then I had to talk to her about how she was then making everything big in her head. And your mind cannot tell the difference whether something is actually happening or whether you're thinking about it. So you're effectively creating those same responses just by worrying and talking to her about stress management. And I think as parents, we model what good eating is, hygiene, but we're not modeling what good mental health looks like. Mm, yeah, yeah? It's, uh, beautifully, beautifully said. I wanted, on that note there that you're talking about your daughter, it's one of the questions that I've got written down here is I wanted to ask you about intuition. 
because all of this is about connection, right? And we are thinking and feeling and conscious beings, whatever consciousness actually means. If we knew what that was, we would have computers that were conscious, but we're not quite sure yet. So we can't quite get there with it. And, and I think it's because you can never teach a machine to feel. Yeah. And artificial intelligence is just going to, that will appear eventually, whatever form that that actually takes. But because AI can't feel, it understands what feelings mean, but it can't feel and therefore it can't feel and have the connection of thought and feeling together. And I believe thought and feeling together forms intuition. And if you don't listen to your intuition, you end up rationalizing and using your head over your heart type thing. But I've used that quite a, a, a bit in my life recently in this go-all-in business, but more recently, I haven't used it very much. And I've had a gut feeling, something telling me not quite right, something's a little bit off. But in my mind, rationalizing, that's no, going to be all right, man. You'll be right. It's going to be okay. It's going to be okay. And with the benefit of hindsight, I look back now at some of the decisions that I made and they were a big mistake. And way back then when I was, when I was faced with the, the fork in the road, I could go left or I could go right go right and continue on what I'm doing or go left and go follow the shiny new object. I followed the shiny new, new object knowing full well that it wasn't the right thing to do in my heart, but in my head going, nah, I'm going to make it work. And I, and I think I'm trying to force my way through this and force my way through the law of attraction and the universe and my feelings and all of these things. But the reality is it fell flat on its face. And uh, maybe you can offer a comment on intuition and how that all comes together. I feel like I have a lot of clients that say they want to, because the way I work with my clients is I tap into this innate intelligence, which is actually that higher aspect of themselves. So, and that higher aspect is through your heart space, yes? And so I feel like I have a lot of people saying that they want to tap into their intuition and their guidance, and yet we actually tap in through all of that through our body. And when we're in that relaxed state and we come back to our heart space, so your body's always showing you these signs and symptoms and trying to give you messages like through your emotions, but people have stopped listening. And in fact, I think we berate our body, especially women for these signs and symptoms they're showing us. We get annoyed. It's like, mm. you know, we want to do more. And, and here was all these signs and symptoms and it's trying to give us a message. And you know what? They are actually messages from that higher place and that guidance and so people stop listening and then what happens is the messages get louder and louder and louder and that's what like chronic disease would look like because sorry, you're not listening, now you've got to stop and you've actually got to listen. So a lot of people, you know, they change their life through, they say their illness was the, the greatest thing that happened to them because they started tuning in and listening and, you know, you have to get these lessons and in and, and healing themselves, that's where they kind of then reconnected to this place, Yes. Yeah, that's, that's beautifully said. I think, I think your emotional guidance system is the most sophisticated guidance system on the planet, but almost 10 out of 10 of us in modern society are just not tuned into that frequency. You're just not listening to it. And I know that I didn't listen to it in the mistakes that I've made over the last year or so in, in my life in, in business, but with the benefit of hindsight and, and looking back, I can see, I can see where I went wrong. I can see what I did wrong. And now it hasn't, it's not the first time, you know, think, oh, I'm a little bit slow. It's taken me five or six times to learn this lesson in life. But now that I know what I've done and I'm in touch with that a little bit more emotionally, I think the same thing will never, ever happen again. I, I don't think I'll ever allow myself to let that happen again. And when I think back, when I'm just hearing you say, when you sit down and you feel it in your heart space, I've felt that level of kind of, I guess it's a little bit of anxiety 
and a little bit of tension and butterflies in my, in my tummy about, uh, I wonder if this is going to work or maybe this is not such a good idea. And, and I'm feeling that in my body and mm. I'm feeling that at the base of my, at the top of my neck, at the, at the base of my back there. And I have these feelings in my body. And if you, if you look at a, a cutaway diagram of a, of a human being's nervous system, it goes from your fingertips to your brain. If you could just imagine the outline of a person, your nervous system is just electrical signals that are all connected together. And when you think about it, I'm sitting there, if I kind of sat there as that picture of a human being and all of that electrical system, that energy is not just in my brain. I'm not just thinking it. That energy is flowing through my entire body, you know, from the tip of my, my pinky toe to the, to the top of my head. It's the whole thing that is connected that, you know, I, I think it's more than a mind, body and spirit connection. I think it's a, it's a mind, body, heart and spirit connection. Yeah. And your heart is kind of the center of it all that kind of brings it together. Yeah, definitely. Do you, do you see people making that mistake that I made? You must see that a bit. So, yeah, I see people that sort of say they want to make all these changes, but they're kind of not, they want to be in a different place, but they don't really, they're not listening. And I have to, you know, the information I give them is from that higher place. And it's not just my suggestion. It's actually coming from a deeper place than that. But, you know, like uh, people think they have to make these big changes and do these big things to change their life. And it's not how it works. So our day-to-day life is created by those little choices we make. And that's how it works. So it's in those little daily disciplines or like you're talking about before, you know, you get older, you get wiser, you've got that hindsight, you kind of know what's right and what's not right and what works for you. And as long as we're kind of moving forward and getting our lessons, then we kind of keep evolving. So the only constant thing in this world is actually change. And I think people just want to resist that change and change is good. Change is growth. You know, if we're not learning, if we're not moving forward, we're not really it's kind of going to stagnate and then the messages get louder and louder because we're not listening. Mm-hmm. Is that why people get stuck, you think, is because they're just not listening to that guidance? Uh, no. You know what? I just had a phone call. I was talking to someone before and you know how we talked about your emotions and tapping in and hearing what they're saying? Anxiety now is really bad and I actually feel really sorry because I've been in that place and anxiety is almost like it's like one big jumble. It's like things have gotten so big and there's so much overwhelm. It's like, where do you start? Because there'll be so much underneath it. But so you're having these thoughts, they're creating these feelings in your body. Your feelings are creating like responses and hormonal responses. And so then there'll be all this other stuff physically and things won't be functioning properly. If we've got neurotransmitters that aren't working, if our adrenals aren't functioning, all these things aren't functioning, it's going to cause us to feel anxious. So then the more we feel that the way, the more that we get stuck in our mind and these thoughts. So it's quite hard for people. Once it's like you've dug this big hole, how do you get back out of it? And it can be a really hard place without the right support. Mm. You, you mentioned a couple of things before that I wanted to ask you about. You said during your story and when, when you were suffering that you know, they gave you some medicine to try and make you feel better, but you can't take a pill to make you feel better. That's just a Band-Aid type solution. So a, a, a Band-Aid solution is, is not the right thing. So if somebody has gone out there and they've gone to help themselves and they've been prescribed some medicine, but they don't really want to take it, what would you say they should do? How should they think about that and, and what should be the next step? See, it's a hard one. I actually didn't take the medication. 
And I felt really strongly about not wanting to. And, you know, I don't want to be putting that out there that there's anything wrong with medication. I understand for some people that's a last resort and it's allowed them to get through what they needed to get through. Mm. But with things like that, it is just a Band-Aid fix. It's actually putting more stress on other structures in your body. They're not really functioning properly. So it might work for a while, but all those underlying causes, what's the real cause? They're all there still. And you're actually like, in your body, one thing will compensate for another. So it's, it's a hard one because I was so passionate about finding a long-term fix and a long-term solution that I could then, and it wasn't just about my physical health, it was about my mental, it was about me kind of tapping in and feeling fulfilled and actually loving my life. I had a really good life, but I was really, really deeply unhappy. So yeah. it's about all these different things. And I think you need to look at your life in that holistic approach that everything's connected and there's just so many beautiful, amazing natural therapies out there. And we're actually energetic beings. So a lot of like medication works on that chemical level. Whereas we're actually energetic beings that, you know, the, all these energetic type therapies, you can do so much amazing healing through just healing energy blocks and restrictions in your energy by removing those, your body can actually self heal. So can it's you give us some examples of that? Maybe an anecdote or something? Um, an anecdote? I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> um, is, is there some examples of like, because you, you talk about taking a pill is, is chemistry, it's chemical, but you're saying energy healing. How do, how do I go about energy okay. healing about something? It's like a drain. And when it's blocked, it's not going to flow, yes? So the natural state of our body is to be in balance, harmony and flow. And when we're connected to this place of, of that sort of higher self that we talked about, that higher... Can I explain how the dimensions work? That yes, please. Yeah, yeah. I work with people through energetic surrogacy. So I actually tap into the energy at a certain level. I actually don't physically see my clients. Mm-hmm. It might sound a bit strange. Anyway, we're multidimensional beings. A lot of people don't actually kind of realize that. So the third dimension here is everything we can see. Everything's very physical. You and I are very separate. The fourth dimension is where the level of mind. And it's also where thought resides. It's also ego things like um, radio frequencies and things like that, you can't see them, but they exist, yes? Mm -hmm. And then we have the fifth dimension and up is actually the start of our soul aspects and it's where our higher self is. So it's the place of guidance and all that sort of beautiful intuition. I don't know if you've heard of the term, the collective consciousness. So at this level, everyone's connected. Time and space don't exist, so everybody is connected. There's no separation between us. It's actually in line with our heart center. So... If we are energetic beings, yes. So what happens is, as I said, in the third dimension, everything takes a lot of work to organize. Like your house gets messy. Yeah. Yeah. And you've got to put effort in to get it back into order. At Mm. that level of the fifth dimension, it actually is the opposite. Everything is actually organized. It takes a lot of energy to put it out of order. So the more connection we have with these aspects, our higher self, our body will be in more harmony. So our natural state is harmony and balance. And when our energy gets disconnected, like in um, blocks and restrictions, we can actually lose that ability to heal ourselves. So things like, like everything's controlled by our brain and our body. Then we've got our autonomic nervous system. You have your sympathetic nervous system. And that is when we're geared for activity, all blood flow goes to our muscles, so we're ready to go. And then we have our autonomic nervous system. And that is for like rest, when we're resting and when we're relaxed, it actually is um, all the blood flow goes to our organs and glands so that we can actually self-heal and regenerate, yes? 
So through stress, when our mind is holding all this stress in our brain, it can actually, we can constantly be in, it's called sympathetic nervous system dominance. And it's a real thing. A lot of people are stuck in it. So you can actually lose that ability to go between the two. So the more connected and the more we are connected to these deeper aspects of ourselves, the more connection, the more our energy is in balance, the more energy is in balance, then everything is just in its natural order. Does yeah. that make sense what I've said? It, it does. And this is the, the reason that I love podcasting so much because we can go deep on a subject and, and go deep in a conversation like this. Let, let me give you a, a little bit of, of my side and, and kind of my view of it. Recently, actually, I, I've been reading some Neville Goddard content and, and Neville Goddard's a guy from the, the 1950s and 60s. It's kind of like before Abraham Hicks and before The Secret and all of that sort of stuff that was out there. It's way, way, way before that. You know, it's 30 years before that sort of thing. And he talks about your conscious mind and your subconscious mind being like a husband and a wife. And he doesn't mean it in, in a kind of, in a bad way or in a politically incorrect way. It's like the husband, think about it way back when in the 1950s and 60s, the husband will come home and tell the wife what to do. And it's even, even way back when, when he's written this book, it's, a, it's kind of a, a cute little tongue-in-cheek way of him saying, and he kind of backs himself out of it. Like the husband doesn't always tell the wife what to do type thing. And, but he says, just for the purpose of the example, it's like your conscious mind is what tells your subconscious mind to do. Your subconscious mind doesn't choose what it is that you're actually going to do. Your conscious mind will place that thought into your subconscious mind and everything will happen as a result of that. And he talks about it not in levels of energy that you're describing there, like third, fourth, and fifth dimension, but it, it's the same thing essentially as what he's, he's sort of suggesting and what he's saying is that for a person to desire something or to want something, what they've got to do is consciously hold it in their thoughts and they've got to think from the feeling of having achieved that particular thing already. And when you think from that there, your subconscious mind doesn't know the difference between it having happened now or not having yes. happened at all. And I've had a saying for a long time in my life that I believe all things happen twice. They happen once in your mind and then they happen once in your physical existence. And I've said that to myself for a very, very long time that all things happen twice. And you see it with athletes a lot when, you know, when a footy player puts the ball down on the kicking tee, he has some weird ritual he goes through when he looks at the ball stands sideways to it, puts his hands in front of him and looks up at the goalposts and he's visualizing in his mind's eye exactly where that ball's going to go when he kicks it, when he strikes it. And then he goes and kicks it and strikes it and goes exactly where he thought it was. You know, it doesn't work that way every single time, but he's visualizing that and athletes yeah. have been doing that forever. And everything happens twice in sport as well, because in your mind's eye, you see you winning or achieving yes. or whatever it might be. And I love, I love the idea of, how you're talking about the levels not being connected and you get disconnected from those things because your life kind of gets in the way and you mm. forget you've got to bring yourself back to center and think and feel most importantly, feel from the position of having achieved that already. And that's difficult. It's hard for me to feel like a billionaire when I'm not a billionaire, but I'm never going to be a billionaire and I'm never going to get rich feeling poor. So no. I've got to, get to the point where I feel rich and what does rich mean to me if I want to I want to be wealthy and have a billion dollars? What does that feel like to me? And if I feel from that position, then I'll turn that over to my subconscious mind and I can't just do it once. It's not like doing a set of 50 push-ups and then going, you've done it. You've got to do it constantly and frequently. Yeah. And 
You've got to hold it in your mind. And before you go to sleep, you've got to feel from that place of having achieved it because whatever it is that you're trying to achieve, it feels usually pretty good. And it comes back to the, to the Napoleon Hill, whatever you think you can conceive, you can probably achieve. It's the old school Napoleon Hill stuff. And I really, really love the way that you describe those levels of disconnection and how you get people connected again. Because fear and things like that all have a lower vibrational frequency to them. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of at the level of mind. And your mind actually has no reference point. But when you connect into these higher energies, love and compassion and all these beautiful things have a higher frequency and a higher vibrational rate. And there's so much information now about just even healing yourself through the power of words have their own vibrational. Um, I don't know if you've seen that research by that Japanese researcher that was Dr. Emoto that did the human consciousness has direct impact on water molecules. And they did the studies where they showed the, the pictures and they said words like love and all these positive, beautiful words and thank you. And they made these beautiful crystal structures. And then they said words like hate and fear and horrible things and it actually was all dysfunctional and it made um, unsymmetrical patterns so you know we are mostly water so all these things do even though we can't see these things they all hold their own vibrational frequency yes and so the more positive has a higher vibrational frequency and if we can also kind of bring that into our bodies when we connect with that higher energy source it's actually we can't help but be more in balance harmony and flow Mm, yeah, that's it's beautifully said. Maybe I'll, I'll share a little anecdote of something that happened to me recently, which is kind of kind of funny and, and tell me what you think about it. So my brother and I have been working on this, uh, this product for a little while. Well, more accurately, he's been working on it and I've worked out a way to sell it. And because that's what I do. He's like the kind of the, the crazy, the, the mad scientist in the room. We throw a chicken bone under the door to the guy and he goes and does his thing for another day. He's sort of pretty cool like that. You know, he's my best mate. So we have this amazing relationship and we can talk about anything. And we talk about this, this stuff a lot, actually. And it's not the sort of thing that you think a couple of 40-year-old brothers would be talking about, but that's what we talk about. It's kind of cool. And it's nice that I have that relationship with him and I can have that kind of that relationship with my brother because he's my only brother sort of thing. So that's, I cherish that. It's really nice. And one of the things that, that happened recently was, so he spent about 18 months tinkering away with this product. It doesn't really matter what it is. And anyway, it's the best thing that you've ever seen in the space that it is. It's incredible, right? And I think maybe because he's my bro, I'm a little bit biased about the thing being the best thing ever, but Literally nobody else has got what we've got. Nobody else can do what we've got. And we've looked extensively because it hasn't just been half an hour. It's been 18 months. It's been a long time coming and nobody can do what we can do. We've never seen it before. doesn't mean it hasn't been done, but we've never, ever seen anybody else do it. Mm-hmm. Anyway, I was talking to a mate of mine. He's more like a colleague, not a mate. And I told him a little bit about it and he kind of just dismissed me. He just like, ah that's rubbish. Anybody could do that. It's garbage. And, and then I started to listen to what he was saying because it really kind of started to grind on my gears a little bit. I suppose that's the way you say it. I, and I got my back up about it a little bit and I never did it in front of him or anything like that. But I thought, what would you know? We've been doing this for 18 months sort of thing. And it didn't matter what I said, he was right. And it didn't matter how I articulated my message about why this particular thing was better than that. He was right. And he was going to be right no matter what. And it ended up being 
you know, for lack of a better term, it ended up being like a pissing contest between two blokes where I'm right, you're right, I'm right, I'm right. You know, it doesn't matter. You're going to end up in fisticuffs, you know, because you're a bloody idiot. And what do you know type thing? Because that's how men are, right? You know, that's how, yeah. you know, women, women are more sophisticated. They've got language and words. Men have oh, got... they pretend they are, but underneath yeah, but, yeah. what goes on. But in the end, men, you know, like, what do you know? And anyway, so the whole, the whole point of me saying this is I, I related this exact story to my brother. And he was like, don't worry about it. And I said, what do you mean? You've, you've kind of got to listen to the guy and take the guy's feedback because maybe he's right about some things. And he said to me, don't worry, Rob. He's not right. We're right. He just doesn't have the same level of consciousness or awareness about it that you do. And then I went, maybe that's why I'm not getting on with some people in the world. And suddenly I had this epiphany from, you know, the, the, the smarter, older, fatter, balder, slower, big brother said something to me that kind of really connected with me saying that the, maybe the reason that you kind of connect with certain people is because their level of consciousness is way, way, way below yours. And they're not willing to listen in to what it is that you've got to say. They're not willing to potentially be wrong. Yeah, they can't because their level of consciousness is so much, so much lower than what yours is. And it's not that my consciousness is better or worse. It's just not on the same frequency as what his was. And it was a real epiphany for me, actually. Yeah. Uh, in reality, mm. you're sort of talking about consciousness before. It's like, well, what is really consciousness? Everyone's talking about wanting to be more become growing consciousness and it's just about becoming aware and so when we're aware of something we actually have full power to then be able to make changes yes so half the time if we're not aware of what we're doing we can't change it so you know when also as well when people blame someone else I like that analogy when you point the finger there's three pointing back at you Mm -hmm. and I've always said that but I didn't really understand it and when you blame you actually give away your power if you take full responsibility for everything that you've created and whether it's good or whether it's bad you actually have played your part and your role so once you take full ownership you then have the power to change it. You know, like even your reactions to someone, you know, if Greg's driving me mad, well, I can't change his reactions. I can only change mine. So it's actually my issue if I'm feeling like it's annoying me or I'm reactive to it. Mm, Yeah, absolutely. It goes back to the heart of that very statement that nobody makes you feel anything. You only, you only feel, you're entitled to feel angry or cranky or sad or whatever it is that you're feeling, but nobody else is making you feel like that. So don't let anybody get on this. Kids do make you feel a bit like that. Oh, they make me feel murderous. (laughs) (laughs) That's my own reactions. And you know, you get caught up in the drama and I think, no, stay above it, stay above it. But yes, you're right in that statement. Definitely. Yeah, my daughter sometimes comes home from school, you know, high school is hard, year seven is hard and every now and then she, you know, has a moment and there's a there's a tear or two or 20 and, you know, I don't know anything about teenage girls but what I do know is that you don't need to let somebody else make you feel like that. So don't let them make you feel like that. You're in charge of your emotions. You're in charge of how you feel and whether you, whether or not you feel happy or sad, don't let that person make you feel happy or sad. You're, you're completely responsible for that. And that always kind of snaps her out of it and, and works a treat. And as she kind of gets a bit older, she develops that emotional intelligence for herself and it works really well. I taught her, I taught her three really good things to help her to recognize that. And um, it's kind of like a, it's a bit of a code or a creed that we developed that I developed with her. And there's, there's three things. It's always, always tell the truth, never, ever tell a lie always help other people so and always do the right thing and if one of those three things is not happening you will start to feel a little bit off and if somebody is doing something to you that's making you feel a bit off 
one of those three things is not in alignment. They're either lying to you, they're not helping you or they're telling uh, or they're not trying to do the right thing by you. So now that she's got that kind of thing to lean on, that enables her to have the emotional intelligence to allow somebody to let her feel happy or sad. And yeah. she just doesn't let the bad feelings in anymore because she can lean on that. So it's a good little tool for little kids. Yeah. yeah. But, you know, like even when I talked about talking to my daughter about stress and things like that, I actually explained to her how our adrenals work and how cortisol in the body and how our mind. And so then she was like, wow, mum, I feel so much better. So that's consciousness, right? Mm. I'm explaining stuff to her so she understands it now and she can actually now make an informed decision and a better choice around mm. this information. So it's just about becoming aware and then we have the power to change things or do things a bit differently. Yeah, when you're aware, you're in charge and it all, it all comes back to that, to what we were talking about. It come, brings it full circle for us. Your emotional guidance system is the most sophisticated guidance system on the planet and you should absolutely listen to that. It's more sophisticated than any missile guidance system or some oh. GPS thing in the sky. It, but you fail to recognize it, but you look at your phone blindly when you're trying to go to A to B. Um, and you follow that blindly, but you fail to recognize what you should be following really on a day-to-day basis. You know, I wish someone had taught me that, that that true power comes from within and that self-love and all these things we look for other people to give us, we really are lacking that and we need to be giving that to ourselves, yeah? Yeah, absolutely. Make life easier. Yeah, definitely. Tracy, if, if people are people are a little bit stuck, and I know it's a process and it's a, it's a fairly broad brush question I'm about to ask you, but... What what are one or two things people can do to try and get themselves a little bit unstuck and moving in the right direction? Because sometimes people feel they're on a downward trajectory. I know I've felt like that a lot in my life, but I also feel like I hit the bottom and then I'm just like stuck in the mud. I'm, it's, I'm in the mud up to my armpits and no matter what I do, I can't pull myself out of it. Is there something that you would say to somebody that was feeling a little bit like that to help them get unstuck and get moving in the right direction again? I would just say to maybe look at what are your emotions trying to tell you. I think we so just all get caught up in this, I'm stressed, I'm feeling stressed, but what is that stress actually telling you? What's underneath it? You know, you might have to look at maybe you're overcommitted, you've got too many obligations. Once you realise what the problem is, then we talked before about having the power to actually make a change. And also, you know, as a mum, I know, how would I talk to my kids? Be kinder to ourselves. You know, if they were struggling, I'd say, oh, sweetheart, take a breath, all these kind of things, I'd say them, and we don't talk to ourselves in the same way. And in fact, as women, I think we decide to lump more pressure and demands. You know what? Maybe you actually need to do less. Maybe you need to give yourself some time. Come back and have some time, you know, whether it's through your breath, but just find that space for yourself because no one else is going to give it to you and you need to honestly look after your mental health as well as just as much as you do your physical yeah, beautifully, beautifully said. Well, as we come to the end of the podcast here, we're nudging up against an hour. Thank you. Thank you so much for sharing your knowledge and your wisdom. It's been an absolute pleasure having this this deep, deep conversation with you because I love podcasting so much. And this is why I love it because I get to have these conversations. And you know, if, if you and me were in a cafe having these conversations, people would be looking over their shoulder going, what the hell are those two people talking about? <laughs> but we can do it here publicly at a podcast and thousands will listen. So it's all good. Thank you so much for sharing that with us. But before I let you go, Tracy, like uh, most of my guests that come on this show, well, I'd like to put you in a hot seat before we get going. It's a couple of rapid fire questions, a little bit of fun, a little bit of a get to know you as well. Just tell me the first thing that comes to mind when you when I ask you the question. You're ready for the first one? Okay. All right, here we go. What's your 
this is not tricky. I can see the look on your face and it's easy. What's your favorite holiday destination on the planet? You've traveled, you've lived in lots of different places. What's your fave? It's just, it's the beach. Uh, Sunshine Coast, that mm-hmm. kind of way. Yeah, the coast, Australia coast, gorgeous. Yeah, it's beautiful. Maruchidor or, or Noosa? Um, probably we go to Maruchidor a lot. We're actually just looking at shifting there, to be honest. Mm. We're looking at doing it in the next six months. So to be honest, any beach, I just the beach has just got this amazing energy and you just feel renewed. Love it, love it. Well, who's your, uh, your favourite author or YouTuber? Oh, I don't really watch YouTube. I do do a nice Qigong practice through YouTube, but I couldn't tell you her name. Um, <laughs> oh, that's okay. That's why I put the choice in there. Is it an author or a YouTuber? Have you got a favorite author? I've read some of, is it James Van Prague? I think that's his name. He's actually a medium, um, but he's written a lot of books about connecting with yourself and that higher guidance. So I actually love some of his work. What, what was it, James? I think it's James Van Prague. Van Prague. I'm, I'm going to look that up and I'm going to put some no, links in the show notes for that one. I'm going to get those links off you because that sounds really interesting as well. All right, uh, next one. And I asked this one before and I mentioned I was going to give you a little bit of warning. What's a skill that you've not mastered yet? You know, how to just remain and sort of not get caught up in the drama, my family and my children, and it can to just really always be that I'm in control of my energy and to maintain, you know, I'm great. I love the mornings. I do all this amazing stuff. Come nighttime and dinner time and crazy chaos time. It would be to be more balanced in my own energy and remain above it at all times. Oh my life. God. That's that's talk about aspirational goals. That's one yeah. to aim for. And I'm not sure that you'll ever master that. You, you <laughs> might master it for a day and go, ha ha, I'm in control. It shows that I'm a real person. Everybody, you know, we all have our moments and you know what, the next day go and get some sleep and the next day try again, be better. That's it. Just press that reset button. Beautiful. All right. Last question for the, the hot seat pop quiz. What's the best piece of business advice that you've ever been given? Just be your true authentic self. Stop kind of looking and comparing and trying to be someone else. And I guess, you know, my journey is through my story and what I've been through. So it's really unique, but just embrace who I am and not trying to be someone else. Beautiful. Nothing better than a bit of authenticity to close out the podcast. I I love it. Well, thank you again, Tracy, for coming on the show. I really appreciate it. If people want to connect with you, what's the best way? My website, tracygillies.com. I've got some training videos. I've got more information and they can actually then link to my calendar and contact me. Excellent. And what about LinkedIn as well? I have only just gotten on there. Oh, um, look at that. I think Welcome to the 21st century. Tracy Gillies coach. Mm-hmm. Whatever you say at LinkedIn. Sorry, it sounds like I'm not sure. Greg's the technical guy, you see. He's a bit grumpy with me at times and I need to be up with the play. No, no problems at all. <laughs> if you're listening to this podcast, just have a little peek at your phone and the links to Tracy's website will be right there and I'll go away and find the link to her LinkedIn and I'll pop it on in. On my website, there is the links to the Instagram and the Facebook. So it's all through that. So tracygillies.com, it's all there. Excellent. And no need to go digging, just have a look at the show notes. And if you're watching this video on YouTube or Facebook, just scroll down and the links are right there in the show notes. So please do connect with Tracy. Before I let you go, have you got a parting comment for us? Just be kind to yourself. Maybe just you know, sometimes we might need to lower our expectations and just take some time for yourself. Beautifully said, beautifully said. Tracy Gillies, thank you for coming on the Go All In podcast and spending an hour with us here. It's been an absolute pleasure. We look forward to speaking with you soon. It's bye for now. Thank you. 
Well, there you have it, folks. Now, that was a deep, deep podcast. I haven't done one of those for a little while, and it feels really good. Now, if you're listening in on your phone, just take a peek at the show notes on your phone and make sure you connect with Tracy. All the links to her website and her social media are right there, so you don't have to go digging for them. Please go ahead and connect with her right away as you're listening to this. And while you're there, don't forget to hit the subscribe button right there on the app that you're listening in on right now. That way you will never miss an episode of the Go All In podcast and you'll always have some motivation at your fingertips and in your ears. And if you like what you heard today, I'd really like it if you could leave me a review, please, as that helps out the show a whole boatload as well. Now, if you've got a question, a comment, or some feedback for the show, you can connect with us via the Go All In socials. And if you want to send an email to me, just visit goallin.com.au for more information. Well, that wraps it up for the show today. So whatever it is that you're working on, whatever you're doing, get busy, get to it, get on with it, and go all in. I'll see you next time. You said I was a piece of art. You decided to pay my heart. But you colored it gray. Should've let you go